Well, at this time, I'd like to invite Pastor up as he brings um, a word about the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's always good to talk about the Holy Spirit. It's always a blessing. I love that. Um, whatever you study in the Word, whatever you minister, when you have the opportunity to minister or teach, it's amazing how whatever topic you, you hone in on and focus in on, you'll usually get a manifestation of what that is. If you teach about salvation, obviously, you're going to get people that are going to get born again. You teach about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so um, you teach about prosperity, and, and people manifest prosperity. And, and uh, you see people uh, being more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as it, as it applies to uh, your tithing, your giving, things of that nature. So um, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and discussing the scriptures pertaining to the Holy Spirit, be sensitive in your own heart to know that whatever, whatever manifestation of the Holy Spirit you may need in your personal life, believe God for that. Say, what is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit? A manifestation of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit himself gets actively involved in an area of your life. Amen? So say you're dealing with some kind of sickness or disease. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit uh, that's upon the Word of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's already on the Word of God that's going to bring the healing to you, okay? Uh, we receive it through the Word, but it's the power of the Holy Ghost on the Word. You might remember in, in Romans chapter 1, I think it's in verse 15, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation, all right? It's a power, so the power of God resides on the Word of God, and that's why we need to make sure that whenever we're studying, we're, we're actually studying the Word. We're not, we're not studying somebody's opinion about the Word. We're not studying somebody's commentary about the Word. Things that say, I remember many years ago, maybe this might help you clear out this. Years and years and years ago, probably had to be 35 years ago, the church that I was in, Pastor Drew was in the same church, uh, we did an outreach in Lakewood, downtown Lakewood. And uh, we were in the area where the lake is down there off of Route 9. And it was on a Saturday, and, and uh, we were there. And, and uh, a couple of young uh, Hasidic uh, members of the community came up and kind of like started, you know, a little bit of a, not a, a debate, but just asking questions. And they, they couldn't understand what we were talking about. And, and I said, well, you know, we, we're here to preach what the Bible says about the Messiah. And, uh, you know, you can see the look on her face, like, what are you going to teach us? And so there was a little bit of an exchange. And I said to the person, I said, with all due respect, when we study, we study the Torah. When you study, you study what Rabbi this one said about what Rabbi this one said and what Rabbi this one said about Rabbi that one said. I said, we go right to the roots. So in a real sense, we're more Torah observant than you are. Of course, that went over real big. But it's the truth. The power of God, the anointed God, is on his word. Whether it's Old Testament, whether it's New Testament, the word of God is anointed, and it will produce in your life when you apply faith to that which is being revealed in the word. Do we, do we get that? Do we understand that? Okay, so we're going to continue tonight about the Holy Spirit. I, I do want to go back and mention a couple of things that I mentioned last week, and, and uh, especially for those who maybe weren't here last Wednesday night, because... Uh, this particular thing I want to start out with tonight really has stood out to me um, as it pertains to the difference between an individual who was born again and the Holy Spirit's living inside and to the individual who was alive, breathing, but has not yet experienced a new birth, not yet experienced uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In other words, they haven't received salvation yet. Okay, and look, look, we're talking about the majority of the population on this planet right now is living, is breathing, they're walking, they're talking, they're eating, they're able to conduct business, they're able to live life as it pertains to planet Earth, but they have not yet stepped into the life, the life that Jesus talked about, and he used a specific word when talking about the type of life that he brought. Does anybody know what that word is? Thank you. Abundant life. 
Okay, an abundant life only comes to those and is only experienced by those who have experienced a new birth. I said this last week. Adam was not a real person until God breathed in his nostrils. Previous to that, he only existed in the form of a man. The disciples also walked, talked, thought, ate, but they only existed as human beings until Jesus breathed on them. You remember that first resurrection Sunday night when he appeared to them? And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It was at that time that they became alive to God. Do we, do we get that? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm saying this, and, 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 and I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming that there's a few people here tonight that maybe have not yet experienced a new birth. I'm telling you, please, for your sake, you need to step into that. You need to step into it. There's, there's, there's another life waiting for you to experience. There's another realm of life waiting for you to experience. And no matter your worst day in the kingdom of God is going to be way better than your best day living without him. And so, so maybe let's use this as an incentive because almost every one of us in this room tonight have individuals in our sphere of influence, in our network of individuals that have not yet stepped into this life. Some of them could be very successful here on this planet, but they haven't really stepped into life. And there's such an interesting thing about the way it's worded in Genesis when God breathed into Adam's nostrils and breathed the breath of life, breathed his life into Adam. In the original language in Hebrew, which, you know, you can have five different words uh, to clarify something or to bring meaning to something, it seems to indicate that at that point in time is when Adam really came to life. Even though his body was there, if we were there, you would have seen his body. His chest was probably moving. He's probably breathing. His eyes may have been open. But God did not consider him to be a real person. That's the only way I could describe it to you. In the Hebrew mindset, you're a real person when you're connected to God. You understand what I'm saying? So, so he experienced that, that life that came from God and breathed into him. And that's when God considered him to be in his image and in his likeness. Okay, now we've got family members, we've got coworkers, we've got neighbors, we've got friends that haven't experienced that yet. And I pray that the Holy Spirit shows you how to reach them. Even, even at the very least to pray for them, that they would have a hunger and a, and a desire to know God. Amen? Amen. So, so let's get back to this. Now consider this again. This, I, I talked about this last week. The disciples could only observe the kingdom of God through Jesus. When they saw him heal, when they saw him deliver, when he, when they, when he saw him work miracles, they were observing the kingdom of God. They could not yet really participate in it. And then you see a little bit at a time, he allows them to do some things in his name, right? And, and while he's present, but then he gets them ready as we're getting closer to the Last Supper. He begins to prepare them by, by kind of like telling them, hey, listen, I'm not going to be here all the time. Now, I'll still be with you, but you won't see me physically. And so at that point, then we see the disciples being prepared to take over the ministry of Jesus. And we talked about this last week. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, they shall do also, and greater wor works than these shall do because I'm going to the Father. In other words, you tell him, I'm, I'm going to be leaving here one day, but you're going to take over, and you're going to do greater works than I. Than I. Now, of course, he's not talking about salvation because you and I can't do that, okay? But everything else that Jesus did on the earth, we're authorized to do, okay? And then right after that, he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us not just to guarantee us salvation and guarantee us that when we take our last breath, we'll be in eternity with, with the Father in heaven, but to prepare us for life on this earth. And, and the thing that concerns me, and I'm not talking about just for New Beginnings Church, I'm talking about for the church in general, is there's too many Christians, too many believers that are walking around trying to conduct themselves in the kingdom, but not tapping into the supernatural. And I'm going to say this again. Salvation is extremely important, right? Because right. we don't want to be separated from God forever, right? right. 
But we mix things up sometimes. Now, consider this. Think about what I'm going to say. Salvation prepares you for heaven. Yes or no? We don't get into heaven and to the presence of God if we don't receive salvation, right? But too many people think that salvation is preparing them for earth. Salvation does not prepare us for earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit prepares us for earth. Jesus said to the disciples, don't leave this place until you receive the promise of my Father. In other words, you're not equipped yet. Yeah, you're born again. If you die, you're going to heaven. But right now, you're not equipped for earth. And too many of us are trying to walk around on this planet, trying to conduct ourselves as Christians, and getting frustrated. I'll tell you this story uh, about these missionaries from years ago. Somebody might re- some of you might remember their names. T.L. Osborne. T.L. and Daisy Osborne. Does anybody remember those people? Well, go look them up online. Go look them up online, and uh, you'll see the fantastic ministry that they have. But they didn't start out that way. They tell it in their own biographies. They talk about how they went to, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they went to a village in India. They went to a place in India. And now here they are. They're born again. They're preaching the gospel. But they had no impact whatsoever. And I don't remember exactly how many years they spent on the mission field. Came back to the United States completely defeated, completely dejected, discouraged, because they weren't seeing any, they go to villages and they'd bring their book and the people in the village said, well, we got our own book. What's the difference between your book and our book? Well, I want to tell you about God. Well, especially in India, we've got millions of gods. What do we need your God for? So they came back to the United States. Somebody needs to hear this because they had nothing to do with what I'm teaching tonight. Okay, they came back to the United States, went to the Northwest region of the United States and met a man there named John G. Lake who had a phenomenal supernatural ministry. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The denomination that they were previously in did not, did not uh, kind of adhere to that. But they got baptized in the Holy Spirit under John G. Lake's ministry, went back and turned Africa and India upside down. They were the original ones that have 50, 60, 70,000 people in their crusade meetings. Went to Cuba before communism set in. The miracles that they took place. I was sharing with Brian a couple days ago. Uh, of one miracle that took place with them when they, when they, they went to a village in Africa. Uh, the, the entire village was all of the same clan, and they were all Muslim. And the chief, the head guy of the, of the village, was blind. And uh, he said to the people there, you know, they, they knew who he was and knew what he was bringing, what, what, what he believed. And he said, I'll pray. You, you guys pray for your chief in the name of Muhammad. I'll pray for him in the name of Jesus. But if my Jesus heals him, then you all have to place your faith in him. You know where I'm going. They prayed for the chief in the name of Muhammad. Chief is as blind as ever. He prays for him, lays hands on the chief, and prays for the name of Jesus. Supernatural power of God hits this man. His sight is restored. The entire village got baptized in one day. Okay, now we we clap and and we say, wow, hallelujah. But we only have an expectation that we think only that stuff can happen overseas. No, 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 no. It needs to happen here, too. It needs to happen here, too. Now, some of you, some of you were here last week. You got involved when I came. I told you to come up and pray for the sick. And we started getting reports back that people started getting results. They got results from people got healed. Amen? You see what I'm saying? Why? Because we put a demand on the word. He said, he said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We said, okay, we got hands. We're qualified. Amen? Amen. And we saw results. So there's a big difference between the person who has the Holy Spirit living in them and the person who does not. Now, in the climate that we live in right now, that's an inflammatory statement because everybody in the world wants to think that they're okay. But everybody in the world is not okay. Just like you weren't okay before you met Christ, and neither was I okay before we met Christ. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean that we're better than. We're different than. You see how quiet it gets? We're not better than, but we're different than. I don't swim very well. Say, where the heck's he going with this one? So when I go to the beach... I thank God that there's a guy sitting up on a real tall chair. Now, he's not better than me, but he's different than me in this respect. 
if I get out too far and I can't make my way back in, I'm going to thank God that he's different than me. You listening to me? He's not better than. I'm not better than him. He's not better than me. He's different because he has a qualification that can save my life. You and I are not better than. We're different than because we have someone living inside of us that can save someone's eternity. Yes or no? But recognize that you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. I'm going to be teaching on one of the weekends. I forget which one it was. I don't have the calendar in front of me. Uh, on our foundational series, one of the most important building blocks that's missing in many Christians' lives is we call it God-inside-mindedness. In other words, Christians need to be walking around with an awareness that you have the Spirit of God living inside you. What most of us do is we want to measure whether the Holy Ghost is really living inside us by our daily conduct. Okay? Um, how many would you agree that sometimes, whether we're intentional about it or not, we act different outside of church? All right, you're all waiting for me to raise my hand. Like, okay, he raised his hand. We're okay. How many, how many, how many know? Okay, we don't mean to do it, but sometimes we do it. Okay? Now, on the day that you're most carnal, the most fleshly, the most natural, do you think you have less of the Holy Ghost in you? Then on the day that you're here on Sunday and you're standing over here and, you, and you, maybe you're over here and your tears are running down your face and the power of the Holy Spirit hits you and you fall on the ground and you can't get up because the power of God's on you. You think that the Holy Ghost is more in you that day than on the day that you acted like the biggest jerk in the neighborhood? No. And don't you realize that most of the time that you're going to have to be, the opportunity that you will have to impact somebody's life is not going to be on the day that you fell down under the power of God. It's going to be on the day when you acted like the biggest jerk in the neighborhood. But if you're not God inside minded, you will miss out on that opportunity. Because you think there's like this, this like a battery gauge, like a, what do you call it? Like a meter on the inside that God sees, go, no, 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 he didn't pray enough this morning. He didn't give enough last week at church. He didn't read the Bible enough. No, I can't use him. Got to skip over and go someplace else. That's religion. That's religion. So it's important for us to pay as much attention to the Holy Spirit as possible because he wants to transform us. He doesn't only want to work through us. He wants to transform us. Is anybody listening to me? Okay. Now, you look at the difference between Peter before Pentecost and Peter after Pentecost. Peter before Pentecost. Well, what, let's, uh, I don't want to assume that everybody knows what I'm talking about. What happened on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit comes from heaven to earth to stay. That wasn't the first time he visited earth. Okay? It was the first time he came and took everything with him because he's going to be here for a few thousand years. Okay, you got this? On Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came and fell on the early church, the disciples plus every. You know who else was there? Mary. Mary. That blew my mind as a Catholic when I first got born again. When I read in the book of Acts that Mary was there on the day of Pentecost, Mary was a tongue talker. Mary talked in tongues. She had that Holy Spirit experience and she operated in the supernatural. Okay, from that point on, the Holy Ghost stayed on the earth. He's here. He's here. Turn to somebody and say, he's here. He's here. Now, we can't tell him what to do, but we can make ourselves available. We can't tell the Holy Spirit, I want to do this, I want to do the other thing. No. It's as everything we do is as the Spirit wills. Okay, but, but we can make ourselves available to him. When you come to church, you should be coming to church. Listen to me. I'm not speaking down at you. I hope you don't feel that way. But the average Christian comes to church to see what they can get. The early church got together to see what they can bring. Big difference. When you come with the, with the mindset, I need to get to church because there might be somebody in the lobby that needs, that needs a hug. There might be somebody in the lobby that needs a handshake, that needs a smile, that needs an encouraging word. 
I need to get there because maybe I need to pray for my pastor while he's up on the platform. You see what I'm saying? When you do that, it's like God hones in, like, there's one. There's, there's one that I can work with. There's one that I, can, there's one that I want to transform. There's one that I want to operate through. But you've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's the New Testament church is the church of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Are you quiet because you got it, or are you quiet because you're, like, waiting for me to get on to the next thing? Before Peter is very aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit upon him, up on him, he's able to betray Jesus like this. That he has no staying power. He literally is Shimon. You know, his, 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 his previous name before Jesus changed it to Peter was Simon. We pronounce it Simon. Shimon. And Shimon means a reed that floats. Now, we used to live in Seaside by the, by the bay. And in the summertime, you had all those, you know, those reeds that are there. What do you call them? Foxtail. Who? Foxtail. Foxtail? That sounds good. Yeah, whatever. And, and the slightest, the sli- you know what I'm talking about. The slightest, look at, look at the slightest little breeze, and they're like, Ooh. well, that, that was Simon. That was Shimon. Slightest little breeze. Jesus begins to call him Peter, but Peter doesn't really take root yet until after the resurrection. Now he's operating like the rock. So we see the transformation. Now, that's just not for Peter. That's for us, too. If it were not for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'd be saved but I wouldn't be standing here. There's no way. Because saved got me ready for heaven. You're not getting it yet. Saved got me ready for heaven. The baptism of the Holy Spirit prepared me for ministry. You listening to me? Well, that's you, Pastor. You're in the ministry. No, 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 no. It could be said, being saved prepares me for heaven but the baptism of the Holy Spirit prepared me for my career, for my job, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a brother in the Lord. You see what I'm saying? You can't, you're not going to live a contented, fulfilled, successful, effective life. Did I say effective already? No, okay, good. Without, no, no, seriously, without the baptism, it's, it's not even a, well, maybe. I don't know where this idea came from. Because that's not the early church. The early church, you got born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water. Or born again, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was, that's the way things went. There's no such thing. In the word of God, there's no such thing as a person being born again, not baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the church today? Well, I'll consider it. Consider what? Well, I don't know how I feel about it. It's not nothing to do with how you feel about it. It has to do with what it says in the Word. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. The apostles then go, well, we'll consider it. We'll think about it. I'll study it. Because, you know, that's not how we were raised. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They received the power of God. And with the power of God, they receive direction and equipment and instruction. Acts chapter 3. We've got to move on because you guys are making me spend all this time here. <laughs> now, we talked about this last week. Now, let's talk about it again. Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which I believe is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Now, this would, be, this would be the temple door, the temple gateway, that if you were standing in that gateway and turned around, you'd be facing the Mount of Olives. So it's facing the east, okay? And, and to ask alms. What's alms? What's alms? Money. In other words, this person's begging there, okay? 
from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Could you imagine the dance that this man did? He'd never walked before in his life. Happy, joyful. And so Peter now, seeing that he's able to be used by the Holy Ghost, by the power of God, to affect change in a person's life. And that's what happens to us. We're different. We're different. When we're aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, we are different. Now, now the disciples, they had never seen a man filled with the Holy Spirit before. They couldn't understand how someone who was flesh and blood do what God does, but they saw it in Jesus' life. Amen? Yes. So, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Helper is capitalized. That he, the helper, may abide with you forever. Can I stop here for a minute? There is a distinct difference between Old Testament and New Testament. Cannot deny that. Okay? Now, Jesus said, I'm going to introduce you to this helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to be with you forever. Okay, so you and I have no reason to be concerned that at some point in time in our life, the Holy Spirit can be taken away from us. So be careful when you study in the Old Testament, like Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote after he had to repent to God for the whole situation that happened with Bathsheba. You remember? How he got, he, he got involved in adultery, uh, had her husband murdered, and then later on, he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, okay? And Nathan pretty much confronts him and says, you're guilty of this. And then out of that, David repents, asks God for forgiveness, and writes Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, is it true that David said that? Yes. Is it true that God will take the Holy Spirit from us? No. So be careful when you pray stuff out of, out of stuff in the Old Testament, because you might be saying it, and your, your ears are hearing your mouth say something that's not biblically accurate. Again, is it true that David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me? But is it true that God will take the Holy Spirit from me? No. At least, at least not in the age that we're living in. Okay. Um, there was a song a few years ago that was really popular on the radio. And uh, I said to the music team at that time, don't ever sing that song in this church. Some of the lyrics were based on the book of Job. It says, you give and take away. Now, is it true that Job said you give and take away? Yes. Is it true that Job said you give and take away? Is it true that God gives and takes away? No. Say, well, does that mean the Bible's? No, no. The Bible is a recording of the facts of what happened. We have to discern them. You understand what I'm saying? Is what that person said true about God? No. Not in that case, it wasn't. You getting this? Yes. So Jesus said, this helper is going to abide with you forever. And he will. From this point forward, there's never going to be a time, from now until the rest of eternity, there's never going to be a time that you and I don't have the Holy Spirit living in us. But pastor, you don't know what I did last week. You don't know what I did the other night. You don't know where I went. You're judging the facts by your experience, not by the, the character of God and the word of God. Amen. Now, you need to be very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wrote that book. And if there's anybody who knows what God meant in that book, it's the author. You listening? This is another reason why we need to be sensitive and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
So I will pray in the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In other words, I'm with you now. I will be in you later. Got it? So I want to make this other point here as we're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. Pay special attention to four major chapters in the Gospel of John. From chapter 13 to chapter 17, almost everything we know about the Holy Spirit from Jesus' lips is recorded in those chapters. Now, you've heard me say this before if you've been here for any number of years. Um, That kind of jumped out at me many years ago because I'm thinking, wow, this is like deathbed. Within, within 24 hours, Jesus is going to be in the tomb. And so he chose the last hours that he had with his disciples, the people that he's been living life with for the, for the previous three and a half years. He chose to take this time to spend on two major topics, the subject of love and the Holy Spirit. You catching this? Go read it. Go read it. Almost everything we know about the Holy Spirit from the mouth of Jesus, we know from those four chapters. So if Jesus thought it was important enough to take those last hours that he was going to have with his disciples to spend talking about love and the Holy Spirit, what do you think the most important topics should be in our life right now? Love and the Holy Spirit. Yet many of us want to bring so much other stuff into our lives and so much other stuff, even in our studying of the word. Um, But Jesus focused on love and the Holy Spirit. He's preparing them. He's preparing them to fulfill his ministry. Are you catching this? Now, you are the church, yes? Yes. Okay, this building is not the church. We say, well, I'm going to church tonight. It's Wednesday and I'm going to church. Okay, we assemble here. Are you listening? We assemble here. But these walls are not the church. The ceiling's not the church. The floor is not the church. It's, it's the place where the church assembles itself. You, are you getting this? So you're the church. I'm the church. We individually are responsible to hear from the Holy Spirit for direction, for um, equipping, where you individually for your own life, you have to hear from the Holy Ghost for you. But then we come together and corporately, we have to hear from the Holy Spirit as far as direction for this church. Now, the direction that this church went in is extremely different than I had ever expected in the beginning. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will only give you what you need to take that initial step. Oh, somebody needed to hear that. Somebody's, somebody's like this close to making a major step. You need to hear from the Holy Ghost for you. You need to hear from him. He's got direction for you. Now, if you'll follow Proverbs chapter 3, yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct your path. You want to be on the path that's directed of the Lord. Now, when you first come into the things of God, there's leeway because you're learning. But that road gets more and more narrow. The longer you walk with the Lord, it doesn't get wider. It gets narrower, but you hear better. You hear better. Amen? Amen. So in the beginning, you have some leeway. You can make some mistakes, and God will cover them for you. You can go in this direction, even though he didn't want you to. And in the beginning, you're kind of like, okay, let's go. Come on. Uh, but as you get more and more uh, experienced in the things of God, as you grow in him, um, he's going to want, like, he's going to want you to hear. And it's not going to be, a, hey, hey. In the beginning, sometimes it's, hey. But then as you grow in the things of God, as you become more and more, is anybody getting anything out of this? Yes. All right, I just want to make sure I'm not just talking to myself here tonight. Um, 
I noticed in, 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 the, in, this, in the ministry here, in the beginning, second, second time we met for service, the second service we had, man, he got our attention. The church is only a week old at that point. We were meeting at the Drum Point Road School over here, corner Drum Point and, and Brick Boulevard there. You know what I'm talking about, the elementary school there? And I'm standing in worship in the front. We had about 60, 70 people. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I hear, um, pinched nerve in the neck. And I'm like, oh, God, don't do this to me. Please don't do this to me. It's, it's only, it's, this is the second service. If I don't get this right, we're not even going to show up next Sunday. <laughs> and I hear again. Now, the next, when I heard it the second time, I start feeling electricity in my legs. And I know I'm not standing in any wires anyplace. And I'm like, oh, God. So I hear again, pinch nerve on the left side. I'm still, now praise and worship's going on. Now today, it's very common for us to experience the Holy Spirit moving like that during praise and worship. But that wasn't common back then, not to us anyway. And so um, I hear it again. Now, now the electricity's up to here. And I'm thinking, okay, when it hits my heart, either I'm going to drop dead or I'm going to have to obey. So now I hear pinched nerve, left side, and it's a woman. And I think it was your wife. It was two. It was your wife and somebody else. Irene. Now, she had the carpal tunnel. It was somebody else. It was two individuals. Uh, by that time, now, the electricity is in my... Was it Eleanor? Whatever. Uh, it might have been. I, I know it was definitely Judy. She was the first one that responded. So, so why am I telling you? See, back then, I needed to have, I, had, I needed to hear it three times, have confirmation, be concerned that electricity is starting to surge through my body <laughs> before I would make the move, okay? Because I had never operated that way before, okay? It was not common. The church that I was in, it wasn't even common, okay? And, uh, but as you go on in the years to, to, that followed, uh, it was about four years later that we were at the primary learning center on Chambersbridge Road. And again, we were st I was standing in worship. It was the beginning of the service. And as I've done, and I've done this all throughout these 25 years, most of the time I don't even realize I'm doing it. Um, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I'm worshiping, I'm singing, but inside I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do in this service? And I swear to you, I hear this. What do you want to do? I'm like, what? That's not, it's not supposed to work that way. I said, no, what do you want to do? And I heard this. No, what do you want to do? I know I have your heart. I know that you hear my voice. And I know that you'll obey. What do you want to do? That stunned me more than the electricity four years before. We can get to that place. We're, that's, see, listen, I know now that's supposed to be natural. That's supposed to be natural. I, I, we used to have this saying here that we said a lot over the years, and I don't know how we dropped it. We are naturally supernatural. <laughs> you didn't get it. Now, in the state that we are in, we are naturally, as, 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 a, as a member of the kingdom of God, as a child of God, born again, spirit-filled, we are naturally supernatural. There is nothing unnatural for the Christian to walk in the supernatural. What does it require? Knowledge of the word and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't tell you how many years, probably a couple of decades, I confess constantly. I still do it once in a while when, when, when it's on my heart. Father, I'm your sheep. Jesus said, his sheep hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger, I'll not follow. So I hear from you. I know your heart. What do you want to do? 
Would you please make that your confession from now on? When you get up in the morning, I'm his sheep. I hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger, I'm not going to follow. My spirit on the inside is very, I'm, I'm confessing now. What does it mean? Uh, if you came out of my background, it's not that I went to the priest to tell him my sins. Confession, biblically, accurately, New Testament speaking, is confess to say the same as. When you and I confess the word, we are saying the same as the word. But I don't feel like that. No, honey, it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with you taking the truth of the word of God and elevating above and beyond your natural experience. Are you getting this? So how do we change things? Man, this is completely different. I don't have to put notes together for next week. (laughs) You, because you had the Holy Spirit living inside you, the Holy Spirit who responded when God said in Genesis chapter 1, let there be light, and then all of a sudden chaos just came into, into order and light came. You've got the same Holy Spirit living in you. So when, you want, when God wanted to change the chaos, he didn't say, oh, my me, what am I going to do? The world is in chaos. He said, let there be light. You got the Holy Ghost hovering over you, in you, and when chaos hits your life, You should not be walking around going, I'm in chaos, I'm in chaos, I'm in chaos, I'm in chaos, I'm confused, I don't know what to do, I don't know which way to go. No, what do you do? You speak the word. Peace, be still. Order, come. Better yet, divine order, come. Be established in my life, okay? When you do that, The same Holy Ghost who moved over the waters in Genesis chapter 1 is the same Holy Ghost that will begin to move in your life. But the Holy Ghost is our helper. He doesn't do it for us. He helps us to do it. Well, you know, I'm just going to sit back. You know, God knows where I am. If he wants me to have something or wants to do something. No, it doesn't work that way. That's religion. Religion says you sit here. You're nothing but a weak old worm in the dust. You're just a spiritual cripple. You're like Mephibosheth. You can't move. You can't help yourself. God's no, no, no. That's the unsaved individual. You're born again. You got the spirit of God living in you. He wants to, oh my God, he wants to give us all the honor and the privilege of co-laboring together with him. Are you listening? Because how better to shove it in the face of the devil than to have a flesh and blood and bone individual who's got the Holy Ghost in them to put the devil, Lucifer, in his place, and he's got to listen. Be aware of who you have on the inside. Be aware of the magnitude of the gift that's on you. Be aware that the greater one is in you, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Be aware of his presence. Be aware of the Holy Ghost in you. Speak with him. Talk to him. Vent to him. He's here to help us. He's in you. Pastor, you don't know what problems I have. No, I don't. And truthfully, I don't know if I do want to know. (laughs) But the Holy Ghost does. And he can lead you. He can navigate you through these times. He can show you. He can take a word on the Bible. He can take a phrase in the Bible and make it come alive on the inside of you, and it becomes an active sword in your mouth. He knows exactly what you need to speak. But if you're not paying attention to him, he's not going to go away, but he's just going to like, okay, I'm here. I'm waiting for you. waiting for you. I'm not going to encroach on you. See, the devil does that. We mix the devil up with the Holy Ghost. The devil drives. You don't understand, Pastor, I couldn't help it, couldn't help it, couldn't help it. The devil drives. The Holy Spirit leads. I remember years ago reading a story about a guy who went on a tour in Israel. And he had been there before. This particular tour, he got a guide and, you know, to drive him around. And the guide is driving him through pasture land, 
where there was many flocks of sheep. And the gentleman's in the back seat, and he knew a little bit about these things. And he sees a bunch of sheep, and the person is behind them, beating them with a stick. And the, the driver had to stop the car because they're crossing the road. And he said, tapped them on the shoulder, he said, I'm confused. I've been here before. And I've always seen the shepherd leads the flock. He goes, oh, he's not the shepherd. That's the butcher. That's the butcher. And that's exactly what the devil does in our life. Beats us. And I'm telling you, he's used religion to do it. Beats us. Beats us. I, I got to do this. I, I gotta, if I don't do this, God's not going to love me. I, I got to do this. If I don't do this, I'm not going to be blessed. I, the Holy Spirit gently leads us. Amen. Won't push. Won't beat. I, I don't like when people refer to the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven. To me, it's degrading. The hound, like a hound, hounding you. No, no, you got that mixed up. No. The Holy Spirit leads us with a gentle impression. He leads us. Now, 25 years later now, pastoring, I don't need the electricity to shoot up my legs. I don't need, hey, hey, Joe, hey, Joe. It's an impression. I believe the Lord wants, or I'll see it when I'm praying. I'll see it when I'm praying. Last week, last Wednesday night, when we did that thing with people, I had seen that in the afternoon while I was praying. That's a major, man, we need to teach on how to be led by the Holy Ghost. Do we teach that in the Bible school yet? How to be led? Okay. How to be led by the Holy Ghost. This ministry, this ministry is a result of, of impressions. I just feel like, you know, remember Paul said, and in fact, I had it in my notes when he got to it. Paul said, Acts chapter 15, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and I and, and us to do something. It seemed good. In other words, I've got peace. It feels like this is the way the Holy Spirit's leading us. Okay, you go to Acts chapter 16. He says, we were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to go into Asia, to preach in Asia. Okay? So there's a knowing. There's red lights and there's green lights. Okay? You go, as long as the Holy Ghost is going, green lights go. One, two, three. Green light. Okay? If he says stop, you stop. If he says turn left, you turn left. If he says turn right, turn right. That's how we're led by the Holy Ghost. Let peace, it tells us in Colossians, let peace be your umpire. In other words, let the peace of God. Now, who brings the peace into your life? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. That knowing that, wow, he's in there. And he's leading me. And, and you know, I, I wish I could stand before you and say, I never made a mistake. Uh, but they were my mistakes. They weren't his mistakes. They were my mistakes. And I'm telling you, when you, have to, when you keep your heart right, even the things that you do wrong, God will turn them around for good if you keep your heart right. So what did we learn here tonight? Sensitivity about the Holy Ghost, right? The fact that he is in us. And if we can come away with anything at the end of this series of just being more aware, more aware, that you have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. He knows how to speak to you. He's not going to speak to you the same way he speaks to somebody else. He doesn't speak to me the way he speaks to you. He doesn't speak to you the way he speaks to me. Okay? And, and he knows how to get you. He knows, he knows what's going to mean something to you. And it might not mean anything to anybody else. Okay? He'll talk. Why? Because he's a person. Turn to somebody, please, and say, he's a person. He's a person. He, say, say this. He's not a wind. He's not a, he's not a dove. He's not a, dove. He's, not a he's not a flame. They symbolize him. He's a person. He can, listen, you don't have to say this, but he can be grieved. You don't have to say it. He can be grieved. Um, you know, he has feelings. Yeah, somebody said one time, he's the emotional part of the Trinity. Now, you notice that Jesus is very protective of the Holy Spirit. When he was doing miracles one time, the religious people accused him of operating under an evil spirit. And he said to them, any sin could be forgiven, but not this one. When you attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil, that is the unpardonable sin. 
People think it's all dead. People have written books about it. It's this, that. No, no. It's Jesus said exactly what it is. When they attributed the miracles, the power of God to the powers of darkness, he said everything will be forgiven except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So you can see he's very protective of the Holy Spirit. Don't mess with the Holy Spirit. You don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He's the person that's on assignment in your life to make sure, not only make sure you get to heaven by introducing Jesus to you, but to make sure that you have fruit, that you are effective while you're living on the earth. So I'm going to ask you to do this. We're, we're done. I'm going to finish for tonight. I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you please, if you need to remind yourself, put it in your phone, write yourself a note. Tomorrow morning, as soon as you wake up, I'm his sheep. I hear his voice and the voice of a stranger I don't follow. You listen? Very simple, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't feel it. Don't make me come down here. It has nothing to do with feelings. It has to do with you establishing a truth of God in your life. And the only way you establish a truth of God in your life is by speaking it. You speak it. When you speak, you're aligning yourself. Let me ask you this question real quick, and we'll go. We're done, because I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> Did you ever get involved in a conversation, and the conversation starts going dark? You pick up on it. You start speaking stuff. Even if, you, even if you're the one starting the conversation, what happens? The atmosphere changes, yes? Your mood changes, right? It affects the people around you. Now, why is it that we're very aware of that in the negative sense, but we're not aware of the fact that we can be intentional about our words and steer them in the right direction and change not only the atmosphere in our own life, but change the atmosphere around us and see transformation? It's the same principle. We're so used to doing it in the negative that we don't even consider that there's a positive side of that. You got born again. You came out of the kingdom of darkness and were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. How? Did you buy a ticket? Did you show your passport? No, what did you do? You spoke with your mouth what you believed in your heart and it took you. It changed your eternal destination. That was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Amen? Amen. So, let's stand up. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. I am his sheep. I hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger, I will not follow. I hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. I follow his leading. In Jesus' name, name. that's who I am. am. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good night. If you need prayer for anything, come on up.